What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Sixers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sherman, and I've been putting this episode off kind of a long time, and I think there's a pretty good reason for that, and my reason was I was waiting for more to happen, to talk about, to get excited about, but the truth is, there's not too much different, you know, the offseason Kind of a quiet time for basketball, aside from the occasional big move. Um, right now, especially, draft is over. Free agency is kind of mellowed out. Um, big trades are being talked about, but that's kind of it. And the Sixers, you know, as much as it, it looks like they have room to play around and they're gearing up to make one more move, there hasn't been many reports or anything to show that they're going to do it. So I'm going to cover what's been done already. Um, and, and it's really interesting to see the strategy the Sixers have put in place. You know, going into the offseason, you've heard so many talks about, oh, Tobias is going to be traded maybe, Matisse is gone, what's going to happen? And, of course, we had the draft night trade for DeAnthony Melton, which I thought was a very strong start to the offseason. And while maybe it was, um, that's kind of one of the only highlights of the offseason for the Sixers, um, obviously bringing in P.J. Tucker, although it was on a massive contract, as well as wing Denwell House. Um, yeah, I think the real question of this offseason would be, is it enough? You know, you're basically running back the exact same team with the addition of P.J. Tucker and uh, Melton, and, you know, maybe some Denwell House minutes, but really he's not a huge impact player that's going to win you a championship. But... When you really look at the grand scheme of things, you know, you look at the Celtics getting Malcolm Brogdon already making the finals. Um, you look around the league just to some of the contending teams and you wonder, are the Sixers good enough to win a championship? You know, last year, once acquiring James Harden, I guess with the same roster, I would have said, yeah, they're, they have, they're good enough to win a championship. But looking around the scope of the NBA now... You know, you got obviously the Miami Heat, the Bucks, and the improved Celtics, three powerhouses in the East now that, you know, I, I wouldn't say the Sixers can't beat, but, you know, and you also have the Nets who, at this current moment, still have Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, um, while trades have been flying around. That roster is still legitimate. So that's a bunch of Eastern Conference teams that the Sixers really didn't make many advances on, except you can argue maybe the Heat as they're kind of just running it back, except they lost P.J. Tucker and we gained P.J. Tucker. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Sixers obviously never making it past the second round in the Joel Embiid era eats at you. But the one thing you couldn't take away from them was that they always, you know, got the pieces, whether it was Jimmy Butler, whether they tried different things, you know, they brought in James Harden, they brought in, like, different pieces every single season to try to make it work, and don't get me wrong, I don't hate the idea of consistency and, and running it back, but I think with the talent around the league and the talent the Sixers have, this was the year, especially, to really go out and try to make another splash, aside from a guy like P.J. Tucker, and, you know, the Sixers were gearing up for it. James Harden takes a massive pay cut, you know, showing he really wants to be here. He wants to help the team win, which is awesome. You know, it's amazing. Sixers fans are happy. But what are you going to do with the money now? You know, at the end of the day, if you're not doing anything with that money, it's not that much different than just paying James Harden a max contract. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really interested to see what happens. You know, I guess 
the argument is Joel Embiid wasn't healthy in the playoffs. James Harden wasn't healthy in the playoffs. Give him a chance to play together a full season at full strength. And I'm not, first of all, I'm not arguing that either James Harden or Joel Embiid should not be on this basketball team. That's obviously not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I think the Sixers organization is thinking that those two pieces and the pieces in place are enough. But, I mean, guy like Tobias Harris with, with the possible names floating around the league, um, a guy like Matisse Thibel you can throw into packages. Again, you have Tyrese Maxey who might even improve even more, you know, already almost an all-star caliber player, honestly, at this point, seeing the way he played at the end of last season and in the playoffs. Um, Tobias Harris is solid, getting a little bit up there in age, maybe even going on the decline. Um, and, and you look at, at the depth of the Sixers, which is probably the main area that they had to work on. No backup center signing, which is absolutely ridiculous because, you know, you lose Drummond. And I love Paul Reed just as much as the next guy, but you need a consistent backup center. Um, you know, the starting lineup is going to be, you got Maxi, you got Harden, you got Tucker, Tobias, and Embiid. That's looking like the starting lineup, which means this bench squad is going to be made up of guys like D'Anthony Melton, Damwell House, George Niang, Paul Reed. And while on the surface it doesn't sound like a horrible bench, is it really enough? Couldn't you not? I think there's that one piece that's missing. And aside from a backup center, years we've been talking about, you know, not having to play Furkan and Shake. And, and there's nothing against these guys. You know, they just really can't stay healthy and haven't shown enough to trust them as a key member of this team in this rotation. I feel like it's just been a long time of the same especially going back all the way to last season at the trade deadline. While it was great that we got James Harden, it still felt like there were some pieces missing, especially on the bench. You know, we bring in DeAndre Jordan, who obviously was a complete disaster. And you just saw the impact that that guys like Dwight Howard and, and Andre Drummond made for this team. They weren't anything special. They were old veteran centers getting paid the minimum to come in and do the job of a backup center. And that honestly made all the difference. You even look at a guy like Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley made a huge impact on this basketball team when he played minutes. Just because he was a solid backup center. I think that, you know, I try to stay optimistic. I try to, you know, support this team. And obviously I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to support the team no matter what roster they, they wheel out there. But it really seems interesting to me that at the prime of Joel Embiid's career when he's coming off back-to-back MVP caliber seasons, leading the league in scoring. Obviously, you give him James Harden, but this is the time. This is the time to pour in. You know, you get rid of Matisse if you have to. You get rid of Shake, Furcon. You come and you get veteran guys to complement the pieces you have. This is the time that we're competing for a championship. We're not also trying to kind of prepare for the future. I feel like that's been scrapped once Ben Simmons was sent out the door for James Harden. You have Tyrese Maxey, who, while he could be a great piece of our future, you have Joel Embiid. You have a, a a talent that is rarely seen. This is a guy averaging 30 points a game from the center position, absolutely dominating night in and night out. You pair him with James Harden, you know, even if he's not completely healthy, James Harden, this is a guy that can get you a triple-double on any given night. This is a guy who could average double-digit assists, especially with a solid team. And... 
just bringing in P.J. Tucker and D'Anthony Melton for these guys after the disappointing, you know, I, I guess, like, I didn't see the Sixers being as good as the Celtics last year. The Celtics are younger, and they brought in more pieces this offseason. They also brought in Danilo Gallinari. And you just see these teams strengthening their cores up. And that's something the Sixers, I feel like, maybe have failed at. But that's my little rant over. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, let's look at some positives. Um, let's look at P.J. Tucker, because I, I've kind of brushed over him saying it's the only move they've made. But we saw his impact in the playoffs, and, and NBA fans have seen his impact for years. He is a scrappy defender, and he's also a solid shooter. And most importantly, he's a great leader. He's a guy that has been around the league for years, been on playoff teams for years, and... It helps that he's just been on the heat in the box, honestly. Gives us an intel because a lot of the players he played with are the same players that are still there. You know, he played with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. He played with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. And I think that might be the most overlooked part of this. That's two huge teams that we now have a guy who played for and was a leader for. And we've seen the success of those teams when P.J. Tucker was on the court and just even in the locker room. And I think that's a really exciting thing, especially for Philadelphia basketball and this culture. I feel like we need more guys like P.J. Tucker. And it's really funny because I, I think I, I even said in a podcast a while back, maybe even in one talking about the Heat series, that P.J. Tucker is the exact kind of player the Sixers need. Now, the debate is, was the three-year expensive contract worth it for a 37-year-old? Um, maybe if that's the only way to get him for this season, uh, he could be impactful I really would be surprised if he's very impactful beyond this season. But, you know, hopefully he can prove me wrong. He's still a scrappy guy who's going to be out there. If we give him minutes, there's a solid chance that P.J. Tucker is at least going to get in the opponent's head, which is nice. And on the other side of things, we get Denwell House. And Denwell House, you know, just kind of a, a name. But if you kind of look at last year's free agency, we got a George Niang. Just kind of a small deal, small contract, not a very... Uh, big name, valuable player, but he was very solid for the Sixers, a big shooter off their bench. And, you know, for the Sixers team who really struggles to find guys to just throw in the court sometimes when you when you see guys like Furkan and Shake playing, I don't know if that's because they can't find free agents or because they're stubborn and want to develop this quote-unquote talent. But now you got a guy like Danwell House who can come in and just play solid basketball, which we kind of had when we had guys like James Ennis um, guys like Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks, you know, nothing super flashy, super special, but I always feel like the Sixers could use more of these guys. And, you know, speaking of needing more of these guys, it's the Sixers off season is not done. I'm making this episode because I've waited long enough and, you know, not enough has happened where it's, it's shown me I have to wait any longer. So while I'm making this episode right now thinking, okay, this is the roster we're rolling out next season, there's still plenty of solid free agents left uh, for the Sixers to go grab. They now have the money for it uh, after the James Harden pay cut. So you look around the league and you look at guys like you know Dennis Schroeder even. That's a very, very solid backup point guard. Now we got the Anthony Melton. I don't know if you need him, but... You know, there's still those guys. Montres Harrell, obviously, he got into his legal situation. But Eric Bledsoe's out there. Guys like, 
you know, Colin Sexton even hasn't agreed on a deal yet. So it's kind of crazy to see the names that are still out there that there hasn't been really any buzz around. A guy like Colin Sexton should be signed already. I mean, you know, the debate obviously in Cleveland is you have Darius Garland, who's an all-star point guard, who, you know, obviously is going to take the reins of that team. But there's no reason that a guy like Colin Sexton who can go out and drop 20 on Evan any given night. Only 23 years old. That's the guy I would like most, I think, right now for the Sixers. That's exactly what you want off the bench. Colin Sexton off your bench. We're talking about a guy who put up 24 points a game just two years ago. You know, he'll take a lot of shots, and I don't think he's going to put up 24 a game or anything close to that for the Sixers. Uh, Put up 16 a game last year. But if we're getting 16 points a game from a guy who we don't have to pay this much money to, I feel like this is just a slam dunk. And uh, the fact that he's not signed by anyone, yet alone the Sixers, is ridiculous. I don't quite understand. I know there was some locker room troubles at some point, but I would absolutely love to see the Sixers go out and get a guy like Colin Sexton. But more importantly, I want them to go out and get Colin Sexton. Um, and, and this is what I feel like I've been talking about for months. You know, I've been talking about the Terrence Rosses of the world, the Evan Fournies of the world, the Eric Gordons of the world. These are all players that aren't helping the teams that they're on currently. I guess Evan Fournier is a little of an exception because the Knicks think they're better than they are. But these are all like wings who can score, who the Sixers just need. Like Seth Curry was that guy. Are we going to get another Seth Curry? Probably not. But having a guy like Seth in this current roster who can come off the bench and just get you a, a bucket whenever, that's exactly what the Sixers are missing. So I'm really excited to see how the rest of this offseason unfolds. I wish I had more to talk about. It's been so long. But the Sixers have been stagnant, and there's still moves that I'm really hoping they make. And I'm really hoping I can come on here next time and start talking about, you know, the Sixers have made the moves to put themselves into contention. And, you know, what do I know? Maybe Matisse Thibault has been working like a dog all offseason on his shot, and Matisse comes back as a crazy good asset. Maybe Tobias Harris comes back and flows perfectly into this offense. Maybe James Harden comes back as the James Harden we know and love. Not even the, the Houston but, like, the good Brooklyn James Harden, like, that's all we really want from him. Joel Embiid comes back as the MVP. I'm not saying the Sixers don't have a chance because when you have Joel Embiid and James Harden on your roster, you're going to have a chance if both of the guys are healthy and playing well. But I would love to see a few more moves to really propel the Sixers. So that's my take on the offseason this far. Um, you know, I, I'm excited at the end of the day. I know my tone probably has sound like I'm disappointed. Sure, I am a little bit. But I'm still obviously excited for Sixers basketball. I'm excited to watch a full season of James Harden and Joel Embiid together. And I can't complain too much. You know, with the moves that we made, getting James Harden in the first place, setting up this team to be a contending team, maybe there's not even enough moves that that have to be made. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the moves we've made setting us up for a third season of Tyrese Maxey being an absolute stud, James Harden, Joel Embiid, the whole roster... Maybe we've done enough, but I'm really hoping I can come back on here with a little more confidence. So thank you guys for listening, and remember to keep trusting that process.